What's going on? Happy Thursday to you. Welcome to the People Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotic provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I'm Bick Nazar. Elon behind the glass running the show. You can get involved as well as always. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber, three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Big day today here on... In Vancouver, Canucks game day, getting ready to play the Florida Panthers and an opportunity to celebrate uh, a, a staple on the back end. We all remember the trade that brought him here. Wore a letter for your team. Olympic medalist. Yeah, there were some contract issues. Stayed on the books for a lot longer. Of course, we're talking about Oliver Ekman Larson, right? I hope Oliver Ekman Larson gets his video tribute tonight. You know, he was, he was here for a couple of years. Contract issues, we know. Buyout remains. Wore that A proudly. But, of course, uh, we're talking about Roberto Luongo, uh, who goes up into the ring of honor tonight, uh, despite, uh, you know, the, the claims keep continuing for the, 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 the rafter be unfurled later today. Even saw Elliot Friedman's 32 thoughts with the wink, wink, Coming in his thoughts about it all. Uh, a lot of it gets put to bed tonight as we uh, get a chance to celebrate a franchise legend. You can text in, you know, your favorite memories, whatever it is uh, that you want to chat about. Uh, Rage already texted in, man, damn it, Mick. <laughs> hey, it, it, it needs to be reminded, you know, OEL is playing tonight. Uh, he, he's, he, he's coming back as well. Uh, but good shouts in the inbox, 650-650. Uh, Keep them coming. You know, favorite memories, things you're looking forward to tonight as well. Reminder, hey, doors open, uh, 530, first 10,000 fans uh, snagging uh, their hands with the uh, – getting their hands on uh, that Roberto Luongo head bobble head as well. Uh, so you can uh, make sure you're there early as well. <laughs> 650, 650. Uh, keep it busy in the inbox. Uh, again, it's a big game, not just because, uh, you know, it, it's it's the ceremony and everything like that. You know, Canucks continue having their success. We'll talk uh, about the game itself uh, later on in the back end of the show as they get ready to play the Florida Panthers. Also, Darcy Hordachuk will join us, former Vancouver Canuck, uh, will join us in the back half of the show as well. Chat about the relationship with Roberto Luongo and, you know, uh, all, all the hijinks off the ice as well uh, with Luongo in the back half of the show. Matt Verderam will join us in about 10 minutes as well, uh, setting up uh, week 15 of the NFL. But the things that stand out for you, and, you know, there's so many memories that w when you're celebrating someone who spent uh, eight years here in a city and, you know, had so much acclaim. Uh, which ones stand out for you in particular? Text them in, 650-650. You know, I'm always going to remember, obviously, 2011, uh, but but the save on Patrick Sharp is the one that's always going to stand out for me. Uh, obviously, great moments followed it as well, but uh, they do not happen without the one that preceded them uh, with Roberto Luongo uh, being there in that moment uh, to make that save on Patrick Sharp. Uh, obviously, the Olympics are going to be a big memory for a lot of people. Uh 
come in with your thoughts as well. 650-650. Like the thoughts already coming about Kuzmenko in the fourth line. We'll get to that, Gary, in the back half of the show. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll prioritize your Roberto Luongo thoughts right now in 650-650 in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The thing, I was doing a hit in Calgary today, and they're asking me, you know, like, what were the memories of it and, and what stood out? You know, when you focus on that time of, of Canucks hockey, there was the the transition from, you know, a, a pretty dark period in the late 90s, and everything gets reinvigorated, West Coast Express, all of that. And then you just got this stoppage with the lockout, and I was like, ah, oh, here we go again. It, it felt like it, it, it put a a plug in this momentum that the franchise was starting to create with the, the fan base uh, backing it all over again. And then here is this fire lit again with Roberto Luongo. And not only was it relit, it was also every single night was appointment viewing, not just because, you know, this player was such a high caliber, but the opportunity to win was also so high. You know, you've heard, you've heard it on the station so many times. You've sure you've heard it from any number of interviews from any former player when they're talking about a goalie and a great goalie. And players are saying that right now about Thatcher Demko. It's like, hey, every time we, we feel like we have a chance to win. And you start going through some of the numbers, and it might feel like a platitude of just, oh, it, it's, it's players speak. But you start going through some of the numbers, and it's like 2.11 goals against average, nearly a 930 save percentage. You know, the, the, this one, uh, our, our intrepid boss sent us, uh, Canberra, sent, sent it to me. Like the 242-minute shutout streak. 242 minutes. That's crazy. When we're talking about getting, you know, 100 points in a season, there's eight done right there. It's unbelievable, some of the numbers. By the way, in the cap era, that shutout streak has only been bested by Ilya Bruzgalov and Semyon Varlamov. That's it in the cap era, and that happened in 08-09. So some of the numbers are just mind-boggling, and again, appointment viewing because the player was so special and the player was so fantastic. But every night, you as a fan in this era where you were just starting to get restarted, just started to the, you know, buy back in, and you know, post-lockout especially, to have every night that you tuned in, your team had a chance to win, that is a powerful thing as a fan. That every single time you tune in, you are going to walk out and say, man, two points. We got two points. There's not a lot of players in this league that provide that for you. Goalies obviously have the biggest impact, but you know skaters... That every single time you dress up, you had a chance to win tonight. In the history of this league, there's not many that do this. And Roberto Longo did it for Canucks fans for eight seasons, uh, for over 400 games. And tonight he gets his opportunity to be remembered as such. Uh, yeah, you know, look, this is going to happen as well. 650-650. We read all the texts. We bring them all in. Uh, honestly, it's a hot take. Uh, unsigned text here. Core memory of my youth. Uh, game 7. I get it. I get it. It's part of the entire conversation. But all the other parts of the, you know, you're not in that spot if it's not for Roberto Luongo as well. Uh, his excellence that uh, deserves to be recognized, uh, should have gotten a Vesna in there as well, but uh, certainly deserves to be recognized and will be recognized uh, tonight in Vancouver as they get ready to host the 
Florida Panthers. Again, uh, looking forward to talking to Darcy Hortichuk. We'll get in some of the uh, you know battles on the plane with the cards and in the locker room and everything uh, with uh, Darcy in the back half of the show. Uh, but continue uh, texting in 650-650. With Sam, what stands out to me is how everyone blamed Luongo uh, for losing to the Bruins. Hey, scoring eight goals uh, in this cup final ain't easy. Uh, and try to backstop that as well. There there was a lot of blame passed around uh, th- through that era. A lot of emotion and... You know, when, when you're looking for, you know, when, when you're angry and had these expectations, fingers do get pointed. Uh, a lot of fans pointing it at Roberto Luongo. Nevertheless, uh, gets his opportunity to be remembered tonight at Rogers Arena. All right. Uh, we'll get into a bunch more throughout the course of uh, the show. I'll read more of your texts as well. By the way, we do have a giveaway later on as well. Uh, those AEW tickets. We'll do that uh, in just a bit as well. But let's uh, connect with uh, Matt Verdram as well uh, from Sports Illustrated NFL Writers. We set up week 15. Uh, Matt, how are you? Good. How you doing? Uh, fantastic. The, you know, we, we talk to you, you know, once a month here. And it just feels like, you know, the season is just flying by. Like, here we are week 15. And, you know, it, it still feels like so much is unresolved when you look over at the standings and just looking at this and saying these playoff chases, they feel extremely muddy, more so than most seasons, it feels like. Yeah, you know, I was I was sitting there, I was writing a piece for Sports Illustrated today, and I was thinking about how many games this weekend involve a team, or two teams rather, that have no hope of making the playoffs. The answer is one. It's tonight. That's it. Like every other game wow, yeah. has at least one team that is involved in the playoffs, Chase. Most of them have two. Uh, and every game has at least one team that's within a game of 500 or better. So it's a lot of coming to the middle in the NFL this year. I mean, you have a lot of teams, six and seven, seven and six. Um, and really, even the teams toward the top of the standings, with the potential exception of San Francisco, I don't think there's anybody that you look at and go, that team's just infallible. Even the Niners, I mean, they have a three-game losing streak. And if you get ahead of them, I think you can play them in a different way. But, you know, it's, it's just a year where I think it's going to come down to who gets hot and who gets healthy and that's it. I don't know that even with the 49ers. Yeah, are they the favorite? Probably. But I don't think they're an overwhelming favorite. Like in some years, you'll look at a team and just go, yeah, it's that team or, or, or bust. Let's actually start there with San Francisco because it feels like every week we're having a, a Brock Purdy every uh, MVP discussion. And it feels like it's dominating uh, the, uh, the, the, the NFL discourse right now. Um, when you look at it, is, is his case the best for MVP? I think it's Dak right now, but we have this weird thing with Purdy in the media where either it's he's a product of the system, don't give him any credit, or he's great and you're too stupid to understand that he's great, and I'm going to beat you over the head with eight clips of an all-22 film as to why. Well, I think the reality is just in the middle. Like He is a good player who can at times play very well. Um, he absolutely – is helped out by his system. In fact, Stephen Ruiz of the Ringer, who's a great guy, does excellent work. He uh, tweeted out at one point that if you took every pass that he that Purdy throws ahead of the line of scrimmage, if you took that away from him statistically, he would still lead the league in yards per attempt <laughs> based on just his throws behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's how dynamic they are, mm-hmm. both in their skill and their scheme. That being said... Purdy is playing at a way higher level 
than we've ever seen Garoppolo play in in that system. And Garoppolo was largely seen as an average quarterback throughout his time in San Francisco. He got a nice deal for the with the Raiders this offseason. Like Purdy is a is a good player in a perfect scheme. I think Dak is a very good player in a regular scheme. And I think he's really flourished. So I like Dak, but Purdy certainly deserves credit. Look, I, I've been part of the the brigade that's saying like this guy is not very good. And look, I've I've since apologized about it, and it, it does do a disservice of someone actually executing, uh, you know, a game plan and and you know being able to actually pull it off to to the level that he is. And so he deserves a ton of credit for that. And I, I've kind of moved the goalposts, I guess, a little bit to say I'm curious what happens when they actually have to pay him. And what it looks like when suddenly yeah. the, the money isn't dispersed to the playmakers that are uh, at San Francisco's uh, disposal right now. I think that, quite honestly, you know, and dependent upon, of course, how he how he continues to mature. But he reminds me, and they're different styles of player, but it's the same scheme, it's the same system, and I don't think that's a coincidence. He reminds me a lot of Tua. Like if you're the Dolphins at the end of the season, you really excited to pay Tua fifty million a year? Like, do you really, truly believe he's worth $50 million a year? Because I think he's, he's had a, a good year. He's certainly improved, leaps and bounds on the McDaniel. At the same point, like, what happens when Tyree Kill is not a 2,000-yard type receiver and he's maybe in two years a 1,200-yard type receiver? Then what? Because you, you, saw, you saw the what against Tennessee when they, they couldn't move the ball. They couldn't do anything against a team that is – woeful and was missing their best defensive player and it didn't matter like that scheme that Shanahan scheme is just so incredibly friendly to quarterback it defines reads it 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 forces defenses to make very hard choices it gets guys open now it has its downside too like if you as a defense can take away that first read it's a problem and we've seen that with better teams against Miami this year it becomes a huge problem but it does help to elevate quarterbacks. And I think Purdy's a good quarterback who's made to look better than he's than he maybe looking statistically. And I think Tua, maybe to a lesser degree, I think that's true of him as well. Uh, what's going on in Kansas City right now? Is, is it anything more than just uh, the, the receivers need to start catching some passes? Like Tony's had his issue, MVS has had his issues, and maybe cost them a couple of wins here. But is this going to speak to a bigger issue come playoff time, or is it something that Mahomes and Andy Reid can settle down? No, I mean, unless Mahomes is going to catch his own passes, I don't think he's fixing any of this. I mean, they they can't catch the ball. They lead the league in drops. They're the worst drop percentage in the last decade. Um, you know, they, they have the sixth highest uh, amount of turnovers this year. They have the most penalties on the offensive line of any offensive line in the NFL. Most of that is their tackles. Now, one of which, I don't know that he's going to get his job back after he comes back from injury. Donovan Smith is out right now with a neck injury. Wanya Morris, a third-round pick out of Oklahoma, has been fantastic stepping in for him. I don't know that Morris has given that job back. Um, but, you know, you, you look at them, and I'm of two minds with the Chiefs. On one hand, you look at them and say, look, at some point this is coming to roost in a playoff game. I mean, they can't catch. Nobody can catch football on this team outside of Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, who's been a, a godsend for them as a rookie. On the other side of it, you look at the AFC and go, well, who are you betting on to beat them in a playoff game? I mean, who's the team? Baltimore? I respect Baltimore to the nth degree. At the same point, Baltimore's won one playoff game since Lamar Jackson's been there. I mean, we've seen this movie. Buffalo? Buffalo might not even make the playoffs. 
And I just watched the Chiefs outplay Buffalo for a huge chunk of that game. And the Bills were off a bye and everything else. And if, if Tony lines up you know, six inches backwards, the Chiefs win that game. I think the Chiefs are better than Buffalo. So I still think the Chiefs are probably, despite all their problems, the best team in the AFC. Like I'd still probably pick them to go to the Super Bowl. But it's just that they're not as much of a short thing this year. This year there's much more variance with them than there is in most seasons. Did we build up certain elements of this season? Because I, I remember coming to this season thinking like, oh, man, look at the AFC. you got Lamar, Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Watson, yep. um, all those QBs. And we sat here. Like, I remember talking to you and be like, like there's going to be two really good QBs who don't make it. And it feels like the AFC almost feels like we're, we're limping towards the finish line a little bit. I wrote a piece in August, and I talked to a ton of people during the Cantor for this story about, like, this might be the best quarterback conference we've ever seen. Yeah. And history would have backed that up. And then Rodgers got hurt. Burrow got hurt. Herbert's now hurt. Watson got hurt. I mean, it just, it just fell apart. I mean, half the, half the guys got hurt, some of which immediately. Um, and then, you know, you look around, and Allen's had a very up-and-down year. Uh, Mahomes has had a year. I think Mahomes has honestly played very well. He's just been betrayed by the fact that nobody around him can do anything outside of Kelsey. Um you know, Herbert, even before he got hurt, it's the same story, right? I mean, every year at the Chargers, they're the Chargers. Same story. Um, Lawrence, I, I think, has had a good year, but statistically, he's not been what you'd expect. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you look around, I think a lot of people, not that anybody thought he'd be in the, in the class for mentioning, but like, oh, Kenny Pickett's going to make a jump. Well, Kenny Pickett's not good, so he did not make a jump. Mac Jones did not rebound. He has been terrible. Obviously got benched. Um I think it's a lot of that, just, but I think most is just injuries. I mean, you had a quarter of the, the conference go down with season-ending injuries, and a lot of which were early on in the year. Yeah, throwing C.J. Stroud now as well. He's going through concussion protocol yeah. as well. Uh, I don't, you know, a big reason I want to talk to you today is here we go this this last month of the season, and it, it feels like now we kind of get the first signals of you know what coaches might be thrown out here uh, come Black Monday at the end of the year. Now we've already seen a couple uh, change hands already, but if you're trying to you know look at the the landscape here a month out, how many jobs do you think open up between now and then? Probably a quarter of the league. You know, I think that's a safe number right around there, give or take, you know, maybe one or two. I Look, you have two jobs open already with Vegas and Carolina. Mm-hmm. I don't think that either of the interim coaches are going to keep that job. Uh, the Chargers, I mean, Staley might be fired before he gets off the field week 18. Ron Rivera, that, that's happening. Rivera's gone. Uh, they're going to make a change there. Um, I, I, and then, again, you, know, you start looking around to solid go in New York. I don't think he does, but it's possible. Belichick, it seems, all indications will be gone. Uh, whether that's a firing or he just resigns, I, I think he's out. Um, you know, so right there, I mean, that's that's five. And then you start looking, okay, look, I, you know, Gannon's going to get another year in Arizona. I'd be shocked if that's not the case. Dable, I think at this point, is safe in New York. I don't think he was ever really unsafe, but now he's definitely safe. The guys that to me are interesting is like Eberflus in Chicago. Mm-hmm. What do you do there? Like if they finish 7-10, and 10, that's a four-game jump from a year ago. Like – I think you probably got to give him another year. Um, you know, so I, I think in the end, you know, you look around, it's okay. I think five or six for sure. And then you get into like Todd Bowles in Tampa. I, I think Dennis Allen's another one, by the way. I think Dennis Allen will be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Bucks don't win the division, I think Bowles is probably gone. 
So I'll say eight. I think eight's probably right right around the number we're looking at. Pretty sizable number. Uh, Matt, we always appreciate it. Uh, does great work over at Sports Illustrated. Uh, take care. Hey, you too. It's Matt Verderam joining us here from Sports Illustrated. Uh, a lot to dig into in uh, Week 15. And, yeah, that landscape of the coaches uh, is very fascinating here uh, in the final month of what happens. All right, let's get back to the inbox, uh, 650-650, uh, with what you're saying. A lot of Luongo reaction coming in. Uh, this one's Sean in North Van. Uh, awesome show. Game 7 against Dallas. Goes to the third overtime, of course. Uh, also Game 6 against Anaheim. If he's not distracted there, there's no way that goal goes in. Uh, but I feel like the one I forget, the one I like to forget is obviously Game Seven in Boston. Uh, that is uh, coming in from Sean in North Van. Uh, also, this one uh, I always wanted to play like Luongo as a kid. Huge inspiration. Uh, you'll get your chance to Lou uh, this evening if you're going to the game over at Rogers Arena tonight. Uh, all right, before we get out here, as I mentioned earlier, we got some things to give away. As we have been all this week here on the People Show. AEW tickets, All Elite Wrestling, at Rogers Arena, happening on May 11th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster. So need Elon to wipe the board clear because usually we pick, you know, caller number 7, caller number 9, caller number 13 or something like that. So we're going to wipe the board clear because it's it's Luongo night and we're talking about number 1. What what better number to choose when you call in at 604-280-0650? Whoever's calling number one is walking away with AEW tickets. So be quick on the trigger here. 604-280-0650 at Rogers Arena on May 11th. Tickets on sale, again, 10 a.m. for AEW tickets. We'll let you know the winner here in just a moment. Caller number one over at 604-280-0650. 650. Leaf Hater Steve texting in 650, 650. Demko giving us that Lou feeling that we can win every night. Yeah, that's what I was mentioning off the top of the show. You know, very few players feel like can do that. Right now, if you're looking at um, goalies that do it, it, it's it's really just Shesterkin, Vasilevsky, Sorokin. You know, probably throw in Demko and Ottinger. And that might be it as far as goalies go. Saros a little bit. It's a small list. It is a small list of goalies that make you feel that way right now in the league. Old Mark, I guess, but you know Boston is just so fantastic. It feels like they can do it in uh, any which way right now. The Bruins they, they lose one of their you know best players, franchise history, league history, retires, and it's like ho hum. Here they are just doing it again. Uh, but certainly those goalies deserve some credit as well. Okay, a lot more on the other side. We'll give you the winner of those AEW tickets, and also Darcy Hordachuk will join us. Keep coming in with your thoughts on a very special night in Canucks history as Roberto Luongo goes up to the Ring of Honor. Uh, A lot more will be said about it. We'll talk to his former teammate, Darcy Hordachuk, on the other side. Your thoughts as well in the inbox here on The People Show.